Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rule the podcast. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Antonio Conte has left. Hallelujah. Hello, Dan Kilpatrick of the Evening Standard and the Tottenham Way podcast. How are you doing, mate? Hello, Jack. Very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all good, mate. Um, thank you for giving me your time today, as you have prefaced this by saying I'm extremely busy today. And I can imagine that you are. Can you give us just some sort of idea as to, as to what's going on in, in general in the, in the world of Dan, but also in the world of Tottenham right now? Well, I've done the paper. That's the main thing. So the timing of the announcement could have been better for us obviously you you kind of want these things to drop at like 8 a.m when you work for the standard then you can get it in the paper with with plenty of time but obviously it it surprised everyone at about 20 past 10 last night so i think the national papers will have been scrambling around to get that in their second editions and probably been very unhappy with the club for announcing it when they did um slightly better for me but um gave gave me a kind of sleepless night to to worry about what i was going to do today but um, that's done, uh, and then I think an afternoon uh, of, of hopefully making calls, maybe trying to find out a bit about um, Stellini and Mason, um, find out what I can, and perhaps start thinking about profiles of, of Nagelsmann and, and some of the other bosses in the frame, because um, we don't know how quickly that's going to move now. I imagine it might it might be a case of waiting to the summer, um, as happened the last time um, a temporary manager came in, that was obviously Mason after Mourinho, but you, you never know. You know, there's no timeline from what I'm told on on an appointment. So Spurs could be working on it now with a view to appointing someone and naming someone before the end of the season. Um, there's a lot up in the air at the moment. Uh, I'm on holiday from Wednesday. Um, I'm dog sitting um, just just sort of locally, but I'm off work, so. I'm hoping it's kind of nothing happens in the latter half of this week. You're not going to get the old Alistair Gold curse of something big happening whilst he's, he's just, <laughs> you're on holiday. It's, yeah, it's amazing how that's become a thing. Um, it does seem to be a strange coincidence, but no, I really hope that doesn't happen uh, to me. You uh, you were talking about the timing of the announcement. It, it, it was obviously quite bizarre. I mean, what, 10.20pm on a Sunday evening? Is there any idea as to why it was at that time? Why the club kind of rushed it out like that? Yes. So my understanding is that that was literally when the agreement was reached between Conte and I believe it was Levy who was leading the talks externally. He wasn't in Italy. Yeah, they were doing it remotely. And that was literally when the, the agreement was reached. The, the ink was, you know, the proverbial ink was, was basically drying Uh on the deal when the club announced that I think there was a feeling that it, it wouldn't hold um, I'm not for a minute suggesting that Conte would have called Dimazio or Fabrizio Romano or someone but um, <laughs> that that was presumably uh, what, what the club was thinking and they, they thought it wouldn't really hold overnight um, so they, they announced it as soon as it was it was agreed 
You've you've just written a piece, and uh, you know everybody can is free to go and read that either in print or on the Evening Standards website at the moment about what's kind of led to this place. But can you give us some idea, just in in sort of summary, as to as to what has happened here? Because there has been radio silence for a while, right? I think even a few of us were hopeful dash worried that he would be coming back, that somehow him and Levy would just see through this, that they put everything aside and power on to the end of the season and hopefully get top four again and then say goodbye in the summer. But obviously what has happened has happened now. Um, is it, can you can you give us any sort of insight into that, sort of some of the stuff you've touched on in your in your latest piece? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give the impression that I'm that I know exactly what was happening last week because I think the surprising thing about last week and the kind of week after the Southampton game was just how little anyone knew. Um, you know, that's reporters and 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 kind of people. You know, myself and my colleagues were were speaking to or trying to speak to. You know, no one really had an idea what was going on. Um, it was striking how little kind of information there was out there. And as you said, the radio silence coming from the club, it felt like Levy uh, was working, you know, under the utmost secrecy and, and trying to get something done. Um, and it was a strange sense of limbo where I think everyone expected Conte to be sacked. No one expected him to take charge of the Everton game. And yet it was completely unclear what was going to happen. Um, <clears throat> the impression I get from conversations kind of this morning is that obviously the club felt there was no massive rush given it was the international break and the players were you know all away you know barring a, a handful of, of of kind of young players and 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 sort of uh, injured senior players um you know i think there's an impression that the start of the international breaks a great time to bring in a new manager because they can bed in, but you know, if Spurs had appointed someone last Monday, um, they would have been basically working with Brandon Austin and, and Lucas Moura. Um, so that, you know, there, there wasn't a huge rush to um, make a change. And the impression I get is that Levy has been considering his options, using that time to to basically work out what to do next. The options being uh, potentially continue with with, with Conte. Um, for reasons I'll get onto, I don't think that was really ever tenable on either side. Uh, put a temporary manager in place, be it Mason with his own coaching staff, uh, like Michel Vorm, as, as happened when Mourinho was sacked until the end of the season, or this unprecedented situation of basically continuing with Conte's coaching staff without Conte, which was obviously the one they've settled on. Um, or, of course, get a permanent manager in immediately. Um so those were kind of the options, and then there was the question of agreeing a you know once it was decided that Conte couldn't or wouldn't remain, um, then there was the question of kind of agreeing the terms of his exit, which you know anyone who knows anything about Conte will know that won't have been easy. You know he really dug his heels in at Chelsea. There was a kind of absurd situation at Chelsea where he spent all summer talking about his exit, but then had to come back I think and do the start of pre-season for them because it hadn't been agreed. You know so I was kind of. Wondering if there'd be a similar situation where Conte kind of appeared on Wednesday, took one training session, and then and then left, yeah. which would have been an absolute disaster. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's what's been going on really. Um, and in terms of why the, the decision they came to was made, I think there was a very strong feeling that Conte had completely lost the dressing room, and that there was no coming back from what he said at Southampton. Um, I think the club 
kind of accepted his explanation that he wasn't talking about Levy and the club at St Mary's, he was talking about the players. And there was an acknowledgement from what I've heard that Conte has used that kind of approach in the past, notably after the Burnley defeat last yeah. season, where he kind of went strong to motivate the players. But there was just an acceptance on this occasion that it, it, it wasn't going to motivate them and that he had he had torched his relationship with the squad. There was no going back and he wasn't going to get top four if he was kind of made to come back. I think on Conte's side as well, he didn't really have an appetite to, to come back from Italy. I think he was done. Um, so <clears throat> that's why um, the club couldn't continue with him. And I think they would have liked to have appointed a permanent manager or certainly considered it. But uh, they, they've kind of settled on this, this strange and unprecedented situation. Um, I think with the feeling that Stellini is a kind of intriguing mixture of continuity and change really continuity in that he knows the players he's done a little spell in the job should be able to hit the ground running and not need a period of adaption change in that he'll now be able to be his own man potentially deviate from Conte's training methods his um, preparation methods his man management his tactics his subs all that kind of stuff and do things a little bit differently um, the danger of course is that He's just the continuity Conte without the mm. strong rhetoric, I think. It, it it always seems hugely contentious to, in any way, <laughs> defend Daniel Levy or Enoch or just the club as a, as a concept. But do you know if there's any kind of feeling of, I don't know, the club feeling somehow let down or disappointed by Conte and how things have panned out? Because from from my perspective, I mean, I know people have been very quick to say, a lot of what Conte was saying was true. It's hard truth. Spurs need to hear it. I still think it was just disgraceful, his his press conference, uh, at least from a fan's perspective watching that. And this sort of prevailing narrative that the club haven't backed him, like Barney Rone just said a thing for the Garden the other day saying that, you know, Spurs were expecting Conte not to be Conte and Conte was expecting Spurs not to be Spurs. But I just, I don't think that's at all true. I think Tottenham have bent to Conte's will, massively so. And the fact he's kind of continually, seemingly thrown that all back in the club's face as well. I, I, has that created any sort of... Are, are they quite surprised by how he's been? Disappointed? I think if you look at Daniel Levy's statement or paragraph of quotes uh, accompanying the announcement that Conte was leaving last night, that, that, that tells you all you need to know about the, the relationship between the two. I mean, compare it to uh, Levy's statement when Mourinho left the club. Um, I've retweeted someone who has put those two statements side by side. If anyone wants to have a look on my timeline, uh, the tweet was by uh, Oliver Young-Miles of the uh, I newspaper who compared uh, Levy's statement uh, after Conte left and his statement after Mourinho left. He makes no mention of Conte whatsoever last night when Mourinho left he said um, on a personal level I've enjoyed working with him and regret that things have not worked out as we both envisaged he will always be welcome here and we should like to thank him and his coaching staff for their contribution and this was of Mourinho uh, this is of Mourinho okay. um, he, he also said Jose is a true professional who showed enormous, enormous resilience during the pandemic that was what Levy said after Mourinho left not even a mention of no. Conte so I, th I think we can, you, know, you can read between the lines there and, and work out how the, how the club felt in the end um, on the question of kind of backing, I, I slightly disagree with you. I've, I've done a piece um, 
a kind of post-mortem piece of Conte's tenure, but I, I focus particularly on the question of whether he was backed. Um, I think that is the question that will kind of divide supporters, so I wanted to get mm. into it in a bit of detail. I mean, my, my view on it is that he was clearly backed more than any other manager Levy has employed. Um, I think uh, he... Um, was unwilling. To, he was less willing to compromise than the club, um, undoubtedly. But I don't think the club went all out um, to give him the tools he needed to do the job. Uh, when you hire a manager like Conte, it's absolutely pointless in not giving him uh, every possible tool um, that you can. Um, but I think that was understandable. You know, Levy was not willing to go all out for a manager who wouldn't commit to the club long term. Conte was not willing to give an inch. So I kind of agree with, with Barney's assessment that you just mentioned. I haven't read his piece, but I think both parties should have known better. Um, it was obviously a marriage that wasn't going to work. Conte should have known that Spurs were not going to spend hundreds of millions of pounds um, and buy you know the experienced winners that he wanted. Uh, Spurs should have known that Conte was not going to be the type of manager to compromise, to accept club signings. Um, and to you know, be willing to build over a period of time, which is what you need to do in the Premier League now. How have you found him, like professionally speaking? Because I, I think it, I've, I've referenced it several times on this podcast. It was actually you, wasn't it, that triggered him in in the Southampton rant, really? And you, had, I'm not saying you were doing anything provocative. You were just asking him a fairly straightforward question, literally on this on this point, I believe, about his. Lack of uh, his lack of commitment to the club, perhaps creating this situation that we're in right now, and then that's when he flew off the handle about alibis, right? Yeah, so he he'd already start he'd already begun the rant, and and I started to ask him if he felt his situation and his future had unsettled the players, and he he kind of didn't let me finish the question, knew where I was going, and. And started talking about the the excuses and, and alibis. Um, so I don't want to kind of insert myself into the story, but it's, it, it, you know that, that that was. I've done that for you, mate. To, it's all right. Yeah, so. <laughs> that was what I was trying to ask him. Yeah, um, because I, you know, I certainly, I think there was some clearly some truth in what he said. Certainly, the the bit about the culture of the club has been said by too many different managers now to not be true. Hmm. Um, but I also think the point about mentality and club culture has been massively overblown by Conte and that it would be far less of a factor, perhaps not a factor at all, if Spurs had employed a progressive coach uh, who wanted to be there, who was willing to play um, modern football on the front foot, who wanted to coach players and improve them, not sign new players all the time. Um, and, and all the things I think, you know, all the failings I think Conte was ultimately guilty of. So I, in terms of how I've dealt with, find, found dealing with him, um, he's been pretty good. You know, he's 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 normally kind of quite, you know, relaxed in, in press conferences, apart from when he's flying off the handle. He sticks to pretty set messages all the time. He can be quite repetitive. But, you know, he's, he's been good value. He's been blockbuster. But, you know, personally, I... I think I've made my feelings fairly clear in a couple of pieces I've written recently. You know, I I, I think a lot of what he said has been um, hypocritical and a means of deflecting from his own failings. I mean, to, to to say the players don't play for the badge 
when he has consistently acted like Spurs are completely beneath him and refuse to commit to the club before the end of the season. It seems to me to be just the height of hypocrisy. Um, you know, how can you accuse the players of not being committed when you yourself um, uh, have spent you know the entire 17 months in charge um, acting as though you're just waiting for a better job to come along? I think there'd be um, a few of them as well that you know his comments about these lot aren't used to playing in big games would be saying, well, we were in a Champions League final a couple of years ago, mate. When, when have you last been there? Well, quite. I mean, you know, as, a, as a manager, at least. Yeah, I mean, saying after the AC Milan game that, that Spurs are you can, you're suggesting that Spurs couldn't compete with AC Milan because of their respective histories in the Champions League, when Tottenham's history in the Champions League is, is far superior to Conte's as a manager. Conte's only ever won one Champions League knockout game against Celtic. Uh, Spurs have won four, I think. Uh, AC Milan under Harry, and then obviously Man City, Dortmund, and Ajax under Pochettino. So um, Spurs have a much better record at winning Champions League knockout games than than Conte. So perhaps it was his history that that, that cost them against Milan. Um, it, it was it was things like that that eventually um, grated on me, and, and I felt. Um, need the calling out but as I said that there's clearly some truth in what he was saying because it's he's not the first person to say that and he may well not be the last but I do think his line of criticism was just massively overblown and would have just been less of a factor um, if he was desperate to be there and had more of an affinity with the club and, and was kind of coaching them in the right way. Well, that's it, because it's, it's part of the problem of having a manager that's contract is winding down, right? He's always going to revert back into self-preservation mode. He's going to be thinking about the next job, and thus it's easier to throw Tottenham under the bus and use the typical Tottenham archetypes, if you like, as to why he it would be impossible for him to achieve success. But please, Real Madrid, don't forget about me type. You know, it's... it's this is why the the whole issue's arisen, and this is why you know the, the vagueness around his future is ultimately just been so destructive, um, in my opinion, anyway. But quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. We, we we sort of you touched on the players being unhappy because I'd imagine a lot of them would have been very unhappy at that. From your sense of how things are, is it a, a literal kind of lost the dressing room type thing? It's a fairly you know undivided opinion on the matter as with regard to him because I would imagine given that Spurs seem to be the noises we hear anyway seemingly wanting to turn Harry Kane into this Mbappe type director of football within the club his <laughs> his sort of opinion would have mattered on this type of thing right that. yeah I mean 
the opinion of senior players, I think, always matters. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my the impression I got, and again, a piece I've written for the paper today, is that Spurs ultimately felt they had no choice but to agree the terms of Conte's exit because he had completely lost the dressing room. Uh, I mean, it doesn't take um, a, a genius to sort of work out why. You know, if you look at what he actually was saying at Southampton, you know, that was a direct attack on on the players characters and, and professionalism you know he, he made a point of saying it's not about kind of how how good they are as, as players or their ability to follow my directions it's it's, a, it's about their kind of mindsets they you know he was essentially calling them poor professionals and, and weak characters and, and you know that's a pretty stinging criticism to to take so i think other than that good bunch of lads though you know yeah well i mean the, the, you know as, as an aside the, the strange thing about that is is conte had consistently gone out of his way to make a point about the players being great men he said many times despite not being the best players and he even said last season they were the the best group of players they'd ever worked with so again he you know he was so up and down and I think a big part of what he said at St Mary's was the fact that he just can't bear not winning um and, and kind of just explodes when results are going against him I don't necessarily think that he you know, genuinely thinks the players are all um, a bunch of losers, but yeah, I, I do think that there was just no coming back from what he said. I mean, I, you know, one speaking to to, to one uh, source earlier, he was you know saying a lot of the players were basically going off for international duty, quite pleased at the prospect of never having to see him again because they all <laughs> thought he was going to be sacked. <laughs> so I, I, I alluded to that in my piece today. Um, I, I, I think. Having said that, I remember before the Southampton game, I remember speaking to someone. Is in fact this was before the AC Milan game, so before it kind of went south. That there were definitely still players at that point who who quite liked, who, who respected Conte at least. Um, so it would be wrong to say that he, you know, as recently as kind of a few weeks ago, he didn't still have the respect of some players in the dressing room. But I do think a majority certainly after the Southampton game had just completely had enough of his methods and his, his rhetoric and, and particularly his tendency to, to publicly slam them. Which is understandable really, isn't it? You know, it's because this stuff, it's already kind of in certain circles of the fan base I'm seeing anyway, getting twisted into, well, that's the problem. The club always stick by these players and they, how many managers are they going to do this to? And as, as much as I can, I can kind of side with that to an extent. The squad is still being refreshed. There's a lot of new players here. I mean, Pedro Porro didn't seem overly glowing of him when he did that piece with the Guardian, and he's a he's a brand new signing, pretty much signed for Conte. So it's yeah. You know, but I mean, in, in, in one of the points I made in my piece, my obituary piece, is that even as recently as the Southampton game, you know, even in Conte's last game when we saw Porro kind of burst into space and smash it into the roof of the net to open the scoring. You, you, you did wonder, hold on a minute, that's Conte with a proper right wing back. And, and he has not, we can argue about Spence and, and you know, his treatment of Spence was, was one of the many things that I think um, you know, underlined his intractability mm. and his unwillingness to compromise, which, which was part of his downfall. But ultimately, you know, had, had the club really committed to having Conte as the manager. You, you could have made a case that January 2022 
you know, the top priority should have been two proper wing backs. And the only wing back the club have signed who Conte really wanted was a free agent, um, 33 years old from the Serie A, who hasn't worked out. And, you know, we, we can blame Conte for that, possibly. Um, but even watching Porro, I did think, well, hold on, you know, how different might his reign have been if, if he had a few more of the tools that he clearly needed because he just wasn't ever going to change formation it was just such a moot point wondering if he might mm. go to 4-2-3-1 it was never going to happen he had was, we brought in Udoji play. earlier something like that as well on top right yeah possibly I mean just you know I, I completely understand why the club didn't do it because to sign two specialist wing backs in January last year for a manager who was not you know committing beyond the end of the season would have been a big risk so Conte is, was partly to blame for creating this uncertainty. You know, it's, everything would have been so different if he had a three-year contract and, and was kind of willing to commit to a project. But perhaps would have gone into the market and said, "Okay, you can have two young, you know, up-and-coming wing backs." Um, they didn't, um, and I, I did, you know, wonder how different things might have been. Um, I think the defence again. I mean, it's it does feel to me pretty inexcusable that he was like Mourinho before him, often relying on kind of four relics of the Pochettino era in Davis, Sanchez, Dyer and Tanganga, who I think it's fair to say, you know, by the the end of Pochettino's era it was kind of pretty clear that those guys were not players you could yeah. rely on every week to, to play for an elite club. And yet they were still there under Conte, so so there there were there were thing there were areas where I did have sympathy for him in that respect. Going forwards, Dan, like what's you know we have got we've got Stellini in, in place. I mean, we can only speculate as to the reasons why this has occurred, but it is what it is, right? Um, Fabio Paretici, he was is, has he got a hearing today? To, uh, uh, I believe it was a hearing to decide whether or not his proceedings are going to just be purely sporting or. Criminal Apparently ones. It's been postponed. Yeah, oh, Damasio right. <laughs> said it's been postponed. I mean, he, yeah, he, he's definitely facing an uncertain future. I think that's fair to say. And I would say, with him being so tethered to Conte, it's probably not a great look for him now, right? Within the club. With, with that yeah, stuff yeah. aside, uh, the, the the kind of contentious legal issues aside. I think the idea that 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 Paratici, uh is completely tied to Conte is, is a little bit misleading. It was Levy who appointed Conte, not Paratici. Um, and I don't know if Paratici and Conte are as close as, as it's made out. Um, you know, certainly Paratici was the, the point of contact for Conte with the club. Um, you know, they, had a, they had a working relationship, but I don't think it was necessarily a case that um, they're, they're kind of... They were super close, put it that way. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Paratici's position definitely feels a lot more um, unstable now. Um, obviously, if he's banned from working in Europe, he, you know, he won't be able to continue at Spurs. And I guess a lot depends on on you know who Spurs want for the job and who they sort of settle on um, to try and get. Because you know, Pochettino, for instance, um, has worked well under directors of football, but you know also hasn't enjoyed working under others there's a feeling that you know maybe him and Paratici wouldn't be able to work together you know Poch liked to be the kind of 
guy running the training ground and at the moment that's Paratici. You know, he's down there watching training most days, you know, cycling around the Hotspur Way, you know, being a very big presence there and that was kind of the job Poch had when he was in charge. So I don't know whether the club's big enough for both of them, for instance. Um, I don't know enough about Nagelsmann, for instance, to say whether he'd want to work with Bratschi or under a director of football. Um, so, th- yeah, th- there's kind of big decisions now on um, the direction the club goes. Because I think there's always been that worry, um, it, at least it started to develop over the past few years. It's one I very much share that the club have taken the, you know, the decision to to appoint should we say these superstar managers Mourinho Conte without much thought to the legacy or the strategy the overall strategy of the club what the club wants to be Daniel Levy's given a fairly sort of like nebulous press statement before about maintaining our heritage and our DNA but then going and appointing Antonio Conte several weeks later which I guess was seen as an exciting move by many people um, and I think we all tried to embrace it as best we could but I think it was it was fairly clear from the start that it wasn't you know he he wasn't really uh what Tottenham fans like to what yeah exactly a good fit what we like to kind of see our our, our club in, emboldening on the pitch and stuff is not usually echoed in his in his style of football the fact that the club haven't just maybe rushed in and gotten somebody like Enrique for example who you would say fits that kind of super borderline superstar manager mould available right now but again there's question marks over his football how or at least how it would work in the Premier League or at Tottenham do you think that that sort of shows that the club really do probably realise that they actually have to really think about this next move get it right or is it just simply that we've just had to get Conte out because we don't want this to continue and we may well go and get Enrique next week well I mean, everyone, as I recall, was kind of suggesting that Conte was the last throw of the dice for Levy. You know, if you remember back in November 2021, I remember saying, people saying, well, you know, this is this is a great appointment, exciting appointment, but, you know, Levy can't get this wrong. And yet, kind of here we are 17 months later and he's you know, preparing to pick a, a 12 permanent Spurs manager. So it's just a kind of another last chance for the board, really, isn't it? But you know, they, they, they could keep on getting last chances. Um, until um, you know they're no longer in charge, but yeah, I mean, clearly Levy is is in a sort of stickier spot now than I think he's he's ever been at Spurs. You know, he's got a succession of huge problems coming down the track. You know, he's got to get the next manager right. He's got the Bratichy situation, um, which could be out of his hands. He's got Kane's future to resolve, um, which could be very messy again in the summer. And then he's got you know growing unrest in the fan base, which is linked to all those decisions. Um, if Mason and Stellini you know, don't do particularly well, then you, you you could see the atmosphere in the last ten games being really really sour. Um, so yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot on his plate, and um, I've sort of forgotten what your question was. Um, Just do, do you do you feel that the club are actually? kind of going to think about a bigger kind of tactical approach to to the appointment what it means for the entire club going forwards if we you know if we think about Pochettino he was somebody that emboldened a real sense of belief within the club um and had them punching way above their kind of weight in a, in, yeah, a, in, yeah. a, in a sense it felt sustainable right as opposed to now we've just had Mourinho and Conte 
and we're just buying players to try and fit this win now manager thing. But we, we, as you've said at the top, we're never going to be the club that's going to really go out and buy. We weren't going to buy Casemiro, for example, for whatever yeah. United pay 50, yeah. 60 mil for a 30 year old. Yeah, completely. I mean, that this strategy over the last 17 months has been nothing really beyond having Antonio Conte as manager. That's seemingly been the only real long-term vision for Spurs is just having a big name title-winning manager in charge. And now the the, the lack of uh, a plan is, is reflected in the situation we're in now. You know, you, you look at Brighton, for example, when they lost Potter, they clearly had a, a short list of managers who fitted the club's ethos. They went out and got one and they've got even better. Um, you know, that, that is not true of Spurs. You know, Levy does not have, as it stands, a proper vision for the club and hasn't for... Uh, for a number of years on the football side, I think that's obvious. Um, he's made a sort of series of pretty disastrous decisions, um, you know, dating back to not back, backing Pochettino properly. Um, so yeah, it does feel like the next appointment is. We'll say a lot about um, the, the the just the direction of the club in general. You know, do if Spurs went for a kind of deserby. Or deserve you know deserve himself or, or someone in a similar vein, um, you know it would be obvious that they're thinking about um, you know building over the medium to long term. Um, you know, alternatively, if they're going for a um, you know a, a kind of I don't know maybe Enrique, that might suggest you know they're they're, they're committed to this approach of having more of a big name in the dugout, um, who can. Uh, yeah, you can potentially, you know, aim for trophies immediately. So I think, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of big decisions coming down the tracks for, for the club this summer, um, particularly for Levy. And um, it's probably fair to say it's, you know, his most crucial period as, as chairman. Thank you very much, you Simon, this afternoon, Dan Kilpatrick. When you're not on the, you're not doing stuff, doing your job for the Evening Standard, people can listen to you on the, on the, the Phoenix from the Flames that is the Tottenham Way podcast. Uh, you've, you've got a few episodes of that out now. When when's when's that go out and who's on it? Yeah, it's, so we relaunched the pod. Um, we're trying to trying to take a kind of bigger issue look at bigger picture look at Spurs, sorry, and, and get into some big issues rather than reacting to sort of every game, um, which I just don't have the bandwidth for anymore. It's too exhausting. Well, at least it was under Conte. Um, trying to dissect another. Um, game that felt exactly the same as the one before so we, we, we try and record one every week um, I think we're going to try and do one tonight or tomorrow on, on the Conte Stellini situation um, so yeah please do give us a follow and, and listen um, I appreciate there are a lot of Spurs podcasts out there some very good ones including this one but I hope, hope we're doing something a little bit different that will kind of interest people <laughs>